This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI TV. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. I'm Mike Ross filling in for Dave, wrapping up another week here on the show. Dave is also away on Monday, so I will be back here in the chair with you at that time. Every other week, we check in with someone from the Center for Equitable Library Access, and they fill us in about the latest available accessible reading material. Today, Karen McKay is back with us, the SELA Communications Manager. Good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Great to have you here wrapping up another week with us. And earlier this week, I was flipping through uh, some uh, news stories on uh, the Globe and Mail and on the CBC app, and right away, Scotiabank Giller Prize jumped out. And I thought, I know what we're talking about uh, on Friday (laughs) on our segment to kick it all off. The long list for the Scotiabank Giller Prize was announced. So when we're talking about a long list versus the short list, how many titles are we talking about? This year, there's 14 on the Giller long list. So that's a pretty long list. Yeah, it is a long list. <laughs> if you're trying to catch up on it, uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people can do it. Uh, so if between the announcement of a long list, the announcement of a short list and the winner, what kind of a timeline are we looking at? So on September 27th, they'll release the short list, which is usually five, sometimes six books. And then the winner's announced uh, on November the 7th at a big gala. So you've got a bit of time. You've got to, you know, be intentional about reading these if you want to get all 14 done or at least get the short list done between the end of September and the beginning of November. Now, let's talk about the uh, the collection here at SELA and specifically titles that have made this long list that might be in the collection. How many nominees do you guys have uh, available? So right now we have 11, and there's one more on its way. I think it might be in next week. Um, so hopefully we'll get them in time for people to get a chance to read them. And there's some really interesting titles this year. Um, there's just a couple I wanted to highlight. One of them is All the Quiet Places by Brian Thomas, Thomas Isaac. And that one actually won the Indigenous Voices Award earlier this summer. We talked about it actually on this show. It was also on the Canada Reads Long List. And this is a debut novel, so it's really interesting to see it get so many accolades and, and be so high profile uh, as a debut novel. There's another debut novel on the, the list called We Measure the Earth with Our Bodies. It's highly anticipated. It's by Searing Lensom Lawa. I hope I said that right. And it's about a Tibetan family's 50-year journey through exile. And then the other one, um, this is kind of the one I'm pulling for, to be honest, Stray Dogs and Other Stories by Rawi Hodge. Now, this is Hodge's fourth time on the Giller Long List. And his wife, uh, Madeline Chan, won in 2016 for her novel, Do Not Say We Have Nothing. So I'm kind of pulling for him so that they have matching hardware on their mantle for winning the Giller. Okay. 
this is going to be uh, fun to to follow along here as uh, we make the cut, if you will, from the long list to the short to the winner. Uh, meantime, yesterday was International Literacy Day, uh, and uh, so because we're, we're we're a day late, but we still want to mention it, and there are some pretty uh, great titles that you want to bring forward here as far as Sila's featured selection. So you're suggesting that uh, these titles here celebrate the power of books and of reading. So what are you bringing to us this week? Well, there's quite a few, but uh, I just want to highlight a couple. So one of them is called The Reading List, and it's a novel by Sarah Nisha Adams, and it's new. I think it was published last year. It's a really lovely story. It's about a widower named Mukesh who lives in in a quiet uh, London suburb, and he's lost his wife. He has a very quiet life. He goes to the shops on Wednesdays. He goes to Temple, and he spends a lot of time worrying about his granddaughter, Priya, who's a a big reader, and he doesn't really have a way to connect with her. So one day he discovers a, a library copy of The Time Traveler's Wife, which was taken out from his local library by his wife and he reads it and he feels connected to his wife in a, in a new way so when he returns it he meets a, a young but uh, very bright teenager who's working at the local library for the summer her name's um, Alicia she's not really a reader but she's discovered this crumpled up piece of paper in the back of a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird and she's kind of bored at her job it's so slow So she's decided she's going to read every book on this list. And the list includes books like To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Life of Pi, The Kite Runner, Pride and Prejudice, some really good books. Uh, So she reads these books and then she starts recommending them to Mikesh. And it leads the two of them to develop this really lovely, quite close relationship as they talk about the books they're reading and the the impact that they're making on their lives. Uh, And it also helps Alicia sort of transports her away from some of the painful realities she's facing at home. We see Mikesh become more outgoing and more connected to his granddaughter. And so I really like this book in part because it's about libraries. How can I not like it? <laughs> but also it's really it's really it's really a beautiful book about how uh, books can connect us, how stories can connect us, and how they can help us through grief and loneliness and other difficult emotions and experiences. So it's it's a really lovely book. I highly recommend this one. All right. Any other titles that you wanted to uh, to bring to us? Yeah, there's a few. So um, Reading Lolita in Tehran by Azar uh, Nafisi. So this is an older book. It was published in 2003, but it's kind of timely again, given what's been happening in the Taliban and uh, with the, or in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, sorry, with the Taliban denying girls education. So this book actually takes place in Iran in uh, the ni- late 1990s, and it's a memoir of an Iranian woman who's a professor of English and Persian literature at the University of Tehran. And she uh, was, she was forced to quit her job when she refused to wear the veil after um, that became mandatory. But she's a very passionate teacher. And so she gathers seven of her most dedicated and committed female students for a once weekly literature class in her living room. And they read all of these books that are forbidden uh, by by the authorities. They read um, Lolita, obviously. They read The Great Gatsby. They read Daisy Miller. They read Pride and Prejudice. And they discuss the books not only from a literary perspective, but also a personal one. So their stories are kind of interwoven between what they think about the books and what's happening in their own lives. And what I really like about this one is, you know, we get to see sort of the literary criticism perspective from the teacher, but we're also um, invited into very personal discussions. And they also have a, a chance to sort of talk about how great novels um, heighten our sensitivity. They reduce 
the, our sort of biases and, and help us see that morality is more than just a fixed formula about good and evil. We get to see some nuances. So I highly recommend this one, but if you're going to read it, um, you should probably read some of the books they discussed beforehand. Otherwise, you might be a bit lost. But it's a, it's a well-known classic, this book. Fantastic. Um, Home Reading Service is another one here from Fabio Morabito. Yeah, so this is actually a very charming and quite a funny um, book. It was translated from Spanish, and our main character, Eduardo, is convicted of a fairly minor offense, and he's sentenced to a year of community service reading uh, to the elderly and the disabled. So he's a very eclectic group that he reads to. There's two brothers, one who's uh, mute and moves his lips while the other acts as a ventriloquist. There's deaf parents raising children they don't know are hearing, and there's a beautiful uh, wheelchair-bound soprano singer. At first, Eduardo seems really unable to connect with the people he's reading to or with what he's reading. He doesn't really understand the meaning of the stories he's reading, and he's sort of a lost soul. He's been stripped of his driver's license. He's got a his father's dying of cancer. He's got a dying business. He's feeling kind of impotent, and he doesn't really have much in his life. But then he comes across a poem that his father had copied uh, by the Mexican poet Isabel Frere, and it affects him in a way that no literature has done before. So he shares it with the people that he's reading to, and he's kind of astonished at what the words in the poem bring out from these people. So it's very funny, it's very charming, uh, but it also has some deeper themes. It speaks to how art and literature can help us rediscover meaning in both our personal lives and in a, in a community life. So I thought I'd bring this one. It's um, from 2021. So it's a relatively new book as well. What about the end of your life book club? There's a bit of a jarring title. It is. So um, it's actually a really beautiful book. It's a book about a mother and a son book club, obviously under very difficult circumstances. Uh, Marianne Schwalbe, she's undergoing chemo treatments and her wife, or sorry, her son will casually ask her, what she's reading. And so this starts this incredible conversation between the two of them and they begin to read the same book so they can have something to talk about as they're in the hospital waiting room. And they read everything from popular books like the number one ladies detective agency to very obscure ones to books like Randy Pausch's The Last Lecture and Joan Didion's The Year of Magical Thinking. And so this book club between the two of them serves not just to pass the time, but it really deepens their relationship and it gives them an outlet for discussing some kind of uncomfortable end of life topics. One of the, the very charming things is that Will, who says he's not a person of, um, of faith, he comes to understand his mother more deeply. They read the Book of Common Prayer and Daily Strengths for Daily Needs, and he sees not only the good that it did for his mother, but how all of those messages have sort of shaped his mother's life and, by extension, his own. And so one of the quotes from the book that I love is that, um, you know, these, this is what books help us do. They help us talk, but they also give us something we can talk about when we don't want to talk about ourselves. It's a profoundly moving book. It's a very sad book. It's a very um, personal book, but it also talks very much about the power of literature in our lives. And so, again, I think it's important on International Literacy Day or the day after to really talk about how important literature can be and how important reading can be for us. Absolutely. Um, and, and like there's one out there um, that uh, I heard on, on a podcast, the author's named James Burroughs. He's um, the he was the TV director for shows like um, the Mary Tyler Moore show, Bob Newhart, Cheers, Friends like this guy is he's, he's just a genius director behind some of the biggest shows on television. The book is called Directed by James Burroughs. And by no means is this one, you know, a, a, a sort of about uh, at least 
on its face, it's not about life lessons. But when I heard him talking about the book, it was like, oh, that's my next book. Like I kind of picked that one up. So I was out shopping last night and, and, and looking for that book because, uh, you know, if there's anything that, that we need to continue to celebrate, it's reading and our act and, and, and having access to books. It's something that we talk to you about all the time and it speaks to the importance of Sila. Um, but you know, it, it's the one thing that you just never want to see go away is books. No matter how you, you absorb them, um, you don't want it to see go away and important to celebrate, even though we're doing it a day late, it's important to recognize literacy yeah. day. Uh, Karen, always well, great. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's never too late to celebrate books. And sure. I did want to say, we also have that book uh, directed by James Burroughs in our, in our collection. Oh, if you fantastic. Want to read it from that or any of the authors or, or your listeners do rather. So fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Karen, thank you very much. Really appreciate the insight on all the titles you brought here today. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. You too. Karen McKay is the communication manager for CELA, the Center for Equitable Library Access. And you can follow CELA on Twitter at CELA Library. That's C-E-L-A Library on Twitter. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.